Thank you. That brought back memories. Graduated from college. My sophomore year in college, on my six-year career, <laughs> the Lord spoke to my heart, and the missionary conference said, would you go to Japan if I asked you to? I struggled all the week with that. Finally, I said, yes, Lord, send me anywhere. Well, four years more of college and finally graduated. We had, it was a big college, and so we had an August graduation ceremony. I graduated in August. About 300 students graduated with me, I think. And uh, uh, God's providence is awesome. God put Dr. Jim Norton right behind my parents in the audience. He had a daughter graduating. And um, so they got to talking, and my parents said, well, our son is graduating, and he wants to go to Asia as a missionary. Because I prayed for four years about Hong Kong, because I knew ABWE had a, a work there, and I thought that'd be awesome. I loved China. I loved the Chinese. Uh, but Jim Norton was from Japan. He was a missionary to Japan. So God spoke to Dr. Norton, and he beat it outside after the ceremony, and there I am standing with my square hat and my robe on, it's formal. You got to do it, guys. Okay. When you graduate, you got to wear the square hat, and the, and it it's hard to keep on your head. You got to keep stiff like that, you know. So, how many are graduating this time? Okay. All right. Live with it. Okay. Just wear the square hat, and even if you think it looks stupid, don't just live with it. Okay. Someday, if you're a PhD like Dr. Paul, you can wear a round hat, and then it's all good. <laughs> So Dr. Norton beat it outside, and, and he met me outside before my parents got there, and he said, John, he said, I'm Jim Norton, and I said, I know your, your kids, and he said, uh, I want you to pray about working with me in Japan. But I said, well, I'm going on to seminary. I planned to go on to seminary. Actually, I didn't know what else to do at the time. I went on to seminary, and one day uh, while I was praying about Japan, I, during that time, I was praying about Japan. One, just one semester in seminary at that time. 29 years later, I graduated with Dr. Paul. Uh, we graduated together. We were in classes together, too. Pity the poor professors. <laughs> there was some kind of event. I don't remember what it was in that one semester of seminary, but we were at some kind of campfire outdoors. This is all I remember about it. I don't remember what the event was or anything, but that, I'm sitting at this campfire outside, and four young ladies, four of our students, sang, Lord, send me anywhere. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, God, if it's Japan, then uh, I suppose not too long after that, I was just having my morning devotions. And I, and I read Romans 15, 20, so have I strive to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as is written, they, and I always forget verse 21, but uh, that to whom he was not spoken of, they shall hear. And God confirmed in my heart, Japan. Okay. And the scripture for today is Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. They that wait upon the Lord. You can, if you, if you don't have your Bibles, you can read it on my necktie. Okay. 
I got my eagle necktie today, and it says the verse that we're going to deal with. But look, Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. And I'm here to say to you, fly like an eagle by waiting. Fly like an eagle by waiting. You want to fly like a spiritual eagle? Then you wait on God, okay? So it says, we'll read 28 to 31. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. And even the youths, even the BCM college students, even the youths, shall faint and be weary. And the young men, future preachers or present preachers already here at BCM, shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless the scripture. Put on each heart the importance of waiting on you for their spiritual needs, for their temporal needs. Thank you for how you worked in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. So I love the eagle. I love to watch. In Japan, we we didn't have eagles, but we had hawks. And hawks are similar to eagles in some ways. They just kind of float up there, you know looking for a mouse to eat supper on. And these kind of float up there. And sometimes we see hawks in this area. But it's really awesome when you're at some national park and you see an eagle up there. Incredible creature that God has invented. Okay. And, and I love the picture in this passage. The eagle is mounting up. They're, so they're, they wait upon the Lord. There are three, three results if you wait on God. Okay. You get spiritual muscles. They shall renew their strength. You get spiritual wings, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. And you get spiritual feet, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. There's my outline right there, right on my necktie, okay? All right. So, my question is, are you waiting on God for the big things of life? Okay, are you, well, and the little things, are you waiting on God every day to guide you? Every day. I've been reading a biography of a Christian college basketball coach, and um, an incredible record. This coach had an incredible record. He he was at age, I think, 23. He became the assistant basketball coach at this college, spent a couple of years there. Um, Then he left, pastored three and a half years, and he was asked to be coach. They called him up and said, well, the coach, the athletic director is resigning. We'd like you to be the athletic director. And he said, give me 24 hours to talk to my wife. Now, this guy later on turned to be an awesome preacher, uh, started a, a sports ministry. He would take even professional M- NBA athletes and others overseas. If they were Christians, he would take Christians overseas and, and do missions work and, and reach people for Christ that way. Tremendous, tremendous testimony of his life. He died... Uh, let me see, died in 2006, so he's in heaven. Or no, his, wrote his autobiography in 2006, which I'm reading, died in 2014 at age 68. But he spent 10 years as the athletic director of that college. He was asked, come be our athletic director. And he said to himself, that fits the plan I have for my life. I want to be 
uh, I want to, to be a sports evangelist, evangelize for Jesus Christ using sports. That was his plan for his life. And it worked out that way. That was actually what God had for him. But he said, let me talk to my wife for 24 hours. But he, in the autobiography, he didn't say, let me pray and seek God's will. Let me wait on God. Now, he went on to a 10-year career at that college. The first two years was building the basketball program, recruiting. He even recruited some lost people, some lost young men, which I think is, is a mistake. Christian college, but he recruited lost people. He had a, did an awesome job recruiting for the first two years. For the next eight years, his team was in the final four of the NCCAA, National Christian College Athletic Association. It's not the NCAA, but the National Christian College. And there are hundreds of schools in that. I mean, that's a big deal. So for eight years, every year, his team was in the final four. Four times his team won the championship. So we're talking about an awesome coach, right? This guy had incredible ability, incredible leadership gifts. He was an awesome coach, and he went on to be an awesome preacher for Jesus Christ, an awesome evangelist using sports for his, for his method. But that first time, he didn't wait on God. Oh, but he won four national championships. Here's what he said in the book about his championships. He said, during this time, I learned several things. First of all, I learned that maintaining success was more difficult than achieving it. Secondly, I learned how shallow championships were in the big game of life. Thirdly, I learned how empty you become after it is all over. I remember how frustrated I became realizing that the satisfaction was very short-lived. Did, did, I'm not his judge. I don't, did he actually go his own way and maybe he shouldn't have been that basketball coach? Maybe God had something else for him. I don't know. He really loved pastoring, you know, had an awesome time pastoring. I don't know. I'm, I'm not his judge. But I'm just saying to you, in his autobiography, he didn't say I got on my knees and said, God, what would you have me to do? That's waiting on God, okay? So he may not have waited on God and then had an awesome basketball coach career, but he might not have been in the will of God in those, in those days. You can go out from BCM and be incredibly successful in human eyes outside of the will of God. So what I'm saying to you today is wait on God, wait on God, wait on God. Now, Pastor Van preached on this same passage uh, several weeks ago, and I saw him, I saw him uh, walking up to the HC, and I said, I, I was thinking of preaching on that passage, and he, and he went, oh. I said, that's okay. I think, I, I think God's still got something there. And I, and I really feel God once again led me as well as him to preach on this passage. And in between, one of the chapel speakers um, also mentioned this in his sermon. So I think this passage is very important for UBCM students today. Okay. So, waiting can be hard. But waiting on God, that's basic the Christian life. Uh, someone asked me recently, how many years did you spend on deputation? Three and a half years of waiting on God to get the support we needed to go to Japan. Three and a half years waiting on God, praying and waiting and praying and waiting. 
finally, after over three years, I, uh, th about three years and four months, three years and four or five months, I finally said, okay, I think I'm done with deputation. I, did I have any, any proof of that? No. In those days, Baptist World Mission required 85% of support before you could go to the mission field. Okay? Nowadays, it's 100% because, well, there are a couple of rookie missionaries whose names are on that rule <laughs> who did not do right in deputation. So now it's 100%. You have to have 100% of your support. So we, had 80, we didn't have 85%, but it's, okay, honey, we're going to get our stuff ready. So we packed everything up in boxes, didn't take any furniture. I don't recommend taking furniture to the mission field. And we called the shipper and said, when I give you the word, come and, come and get our stuff. And we got in an old rickety car. I think it was a 1960, what was it? 68 or something. Anyway, it was about 10 years old. And, and uh, on the way out to California, we lost reverse. Uh, <laughs> so I think we bought it for 200 bucks. And, and uh, we're sitting there at home, ready to leave on our last deputation trip. I said, we're, honey, we're just going to go to California. And, and if we get support on the way, fine. If we reach California and BWM says you can't go, we're going to go anyway. We're ready to go. We want to go. And uh, I think that was as God, of God. Got a phone call before we left, and it was our pastor, Bob Kelly, Machine Gun Kelly, we called him because of his sermon uh, delivery. And I want to tell you that we don't <laughs> Anyway, so uh, Dr. Kelly said, John, he said, you got all the support you need. How much more do you need in support? I said, well, uh, we need about $200 a month. That would get us to the field. And he said, just a minute. And he talked to someone in the office. He says, there's a businessman in our church. He doesn't want you to know his name, but I'm going to tell you his name anyway. And he told him his name. <laughs> told, me, told me his name. <laughs> said, He's going to give $200 a month so you can get to the mission field. And like that, we had the support we needed. Headed to California, 85%. By the time we got to Japan, we had 100%. Amen. Why? Because we waited on God for three and a half years. Prayer. And on the phone, which I hated, I still hate phones. Um, oh, I left mine. I was going to throw it way back there, but I, not really, no. I, I left it in my office. But um, um, we waited on God, and God got us there. And I'm here to tell you, 33 years in Japan, God met every need. And I look back, and, and I think of that song that I heard when I was still single, still in seminary, Lord, send me anywhere, only go with me. And I can say every single minute on the mission field and every single minute since we've been here, God has been with us. Why? Wait on the Lord, okay? And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord, the Bible says. Let's look at these three things, though, three results of waiting on God. Remember, this works if you're a young man, young woman. You're going to run out of strength, and especially you freshmen when you take Greek, right? <laughs> I got a big laugh from someone there. <laughs> all right. First of all, wait for spiritual muscles. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Wait for spiritual muscles. You may have the desire to be, quote, great, you know, especially we young, young men. <laughs> I just turned 70. We, we young men, we, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do great things for God. And your life's verse is, um, um, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great in my things, which thou knowest not. You're going to say, wow, God's going to do something great through me. Everyone's going to know who I am and they're going to give me a doctor of divinity. They're going to call me doctor. 
I'm going to go out and do great things for God. Okay. Huh? Just wait. Just wait. Wait on God. Um, I remember coming across the story of Barak in Jeremiah chapter 45. And uh, so that was John Rice's grandson. John Rice's grandson, people expected things out of me, you know. I remember telling one young man I was going to be a missionary to Japan. My grandfather wanted me to work with him at the Sword of the Lord, but I, God called me to Japan, and so I'm going to Japan. He said, what? You could work with John Rice and you're going off to Japan? Well, yeah, there's a higher authority, <laughs> right? Lord Jesus Christ. But somewhere in there, I read Jeremiah 45, the, Lord, the word that Jeremiah the prophet spoke unto Barak, the son of Neriah, when he had written these words in a book at the mouth of Jeremiah, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto thee, O Barak, thou didst say, Woe is me now, for the Lord had had the Greek grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. Therefore, thus shall the, thou say unto him, The Lord saith thus, Behold, that which I have built will I break down, and that which I have planted I will pluck up, even this whole land. And here it is. Barak wanted big things. He was Jeremiah's servant. He was a servant to a prophet. And he thought, I can do bigger things than this. He was of noble blood. Here he is of noble blood, and he's just a servant to a prophet. And what did God say? Seekest thou great things for thyself? Seek them not. For behold, I will bring evil upon all flesh, saith the Lord, but thy life will I give unto thee for a prey in all places whither thou goest. Barak, you want to do great and mighty things? No, no, leave that up to me. Maybe you'll do great things. Maybe you won't. If you simply follow me, you'll receive strength to do whatever God's got for you. One of my favorite characters is, in, in church history is Henry Martin, 1781 to 1812. Fell in love with a woman on the, on, back in England, but God had called him to be a missionary, he, and uh, he was going to go and work with William Carey, and he proposed to her and said, will you go with me to the mission field? And she said, no, I can't do that. No. And so he said, well, I'll go there, I'll go to the mission field, and I'll call you, and maybe you can come join me. And he had that hope deep within him. Maybe she'll join me. So he went to work with William Carey. He eventually went off into um, Persia, modern Iran, and other places in the Middle East, among all the Muslims, translated the Persian New Testament, the Arabic New Testament, and the Urdu New Testament, three main languages of Muslim lands, translated the Bible into three different New Testament, the New Testament into three different languages. But he was lonely. He contacted her and wrote her and said, won't you come and join me here in India with William Carey? No, I can't do that. Stayed single. Died single at age 31, brokenhearted. But God did great and mighty things through him. If you were to say to him at the end of his life, he probably died of malaria. We're not real sure. Had a fever, died of some kind of fever. And if you were to say to him at the end of his life, 
What has God done with you? He, did, he would have said, I, I don't know. I did translate the Bible a little bit, but big deal. I don't know. I, I, I longed to be married. Didn't happen. I longed to spend all my life, 50 years maybe, in, in, the Persian, in Persia and these other lands. Didn't happen. I don't know. I don't, don't, think, I, don't think I did much. But God knew. He waited on God, and God used him. Are you waiting for a mate? In college, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Okay, don't let your heart get away from you. In college, keep your heart. Don't go saying, huh, I wonder what it'd be like to be married to. And just say, just banish that thought from your head. Wait on God. Wait on God. So the second point is wait for spiritual wings. Let me tell you, a mate can give you spiritual wings. I just thank God so much for my wife. Um, she, she helps God give me spiritual wings. I can fly with my wife, okay? It, it's, you know, when you get the right one, it's awesome. So I'm, I'm kind of nostalgic right now because uh, Dr. Ed Nelson was one of those who helped me get together with my wife. Um, Dr. Ed Nelson and Dr. Wayne Van Gelderen Sr. both told me about this wonderful young lady who had applied to Baptist World Mission. And uh, I, I called Dr. Monroe Parker and, and said, who's this girl? I just wanted to know who she was. I didn't really think anything would come of it. And, you know, uh, but I was waiting on the Lord for a wife. Okay. And um, so uh, Dr. Parker sent a letter to her. And uh, in it said, dear Patricia, I am... I am uh, telling John Rice Himes to write to you. <laughs> if Monroe Parker said, said it was going to happen, I thought it should happen, so I did write her, and the rest is history. Uh, we did meet. We wrote back and forth. We met. We fell in love. Uh, we got married. On the very day God told her, God went back from the time we met at the Baptist World Mission annual meeting and said, Dear Lord, I want to marry John Himes, and I want to marry him on May 5th. She actually, she said, I want, Lord, I want that one, and I want him on May 5th. That's what she actually prayed. And uh, she never told me that. And we were looking, and many of you heard this story, but I just, I'm just telling it again because I think it's an encouragement to wait on God. Okay? A prudent wife is, oh, only three or four of you know that verse. <laughs> Proverbs 19, 14, a prudent wife is from the Lord. A prudent wife is? Okay, don't, don't go looking. Just wait on God. He'll make it happen. I had no idea when I went out to Colorado and, and, and Ed Nelson was talking to me and Wayne Van Gelder Sr. were talking to me about this young lady. I had no idea what was going to happen. But I thank God for it. Eagles fly high. They mount up. Way up there, one of the highest flying birds there is. They can fly up to... I think 10, up to 10,000 feet, they go way up above the storms. They don't experience storms. They see a storm, they just fly higher. Um, I, I've been in Cameroon. I flew with uh, Brother Needham at, at 9,000 feet, and I'm looking down. Wow, that's incredible. That's where an eagle, that's home to an eagle. He flies up there. I, I did see one photograph, looking, this, looking up eagles on the Internet. I saw one photograph. A crow got tired and landed on an eagle. <laughs> An eagle's just floating along, and the crow, boing, lands on him. The eagle totally ignores the crow. 
He's just flying along. Finally, the crow takes off again. Uh, when, crows follow, when crows bother an eagle, the eagle just goes higher because crows can't go as high as an eagle. You know, so crows are getting after an eagle, and the eagle goes, oh, go away, and, he, and they stay down there. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. It can be lonely up there, way up there in the sky, but you see so much. You see, God works so much. I just thank God that I waited for a wife. Now, the advice I just gave you on while you're in college, wait on God, I didn't do that myself. <laughs> uh, 18 years old, about to go off to college, and uh, my parents are about to move away. They did give me their address when they moved away. <laughs> I went off to college. They went to Colorado. And <laughs> I did get the address, so I uh, spent a couple of summers in Colorado. That was awesome. But um, there was this young lady I liked in high school, and she was... She was actually a Lutheran, but she came to our Baptist young people's meetings. And so I said, okay, Lord, this is the first time I ever prayed for God's will in a marriage. I said, Lord, okay, if she's the one, um, then I'm going to call her to invite her to this end-of-the-year graduation banquet. And uh, if she's the one for me to marry, I pray, that, I pray that she would say yes. So I called her up, rotary phone. Okay. Distant past to you guys, I know. And her father answered the phone. Yes? Um, is Elaine there? No, she's out of town. Okay, thank you. <laughs> 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 to this day, Daddy and Elaine don't know who called. But, uh, <laughs> uh, okay, that's an answered prayer. That's not the one for me. Went off to college, fell for a young girl in college, about my third year, third or fourth year of college, I don't remember, uh, just really fell hard for her. And those emotions just welled up. And, and, and I started praying, Lord, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? Well, uh, she got engaged. I kept praying, Lord, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? Engagements, they can cease, you know. <laughs> sure enough, she... I don't know who dropped who, but he or she dropped the other one, and now she's available again. Lord, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? I don't remember exactly how long this went on. But one day I walked her home. I, I did a Bible study on friendship. Guys, Bible studies will help you get the right wife, okay? Get in the Word. Get filled with the Word. And here's what happened with me. So I, I did a Bible study on friendship, and I made a list of about six things that the Bible says a friend should be. Like uh, Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity, and so forth. I'm mean, Just some awesome verses in the book of Proverbs and in other books about friendship. And, and so I, I checked those out, and I, I, and I made this list. And walking home with her, I said to her, uh, look, you always say you want to be my friend, okay? But here's this list about what the Bible says about friendship. Are you this? No. Are you that? No. Are you the other thing? No went down the list. None of those she was fulfilling. Okay, men, when a girl says, I just want to be your friend, don't hang on. <laughs> what she's saying is, go, go away. Okay, so we went and sat down with a low wall. She lived with her sister uh, off campus, and we sat down in this little low wall next to the driveway, and I said, well, I guess you're not my friend, are you? She said, no. And I walked home, and let me tell you, 
God did a miracle. I don't know how long it was I had this girl that I was enamored with, but it was at least a year, maybe even two years. I don't really remember. That instant, God took every bit of emotion out of my heart for this young lady. Just click and it's gone. Why? Because God had something better and God wanted me to wait for him. Fly higher, John. She's down there with the crows. <laughs> well, she was a lovely young lady. I mean, she's a great young lady. She loved the Lord and everything. But, but for me, she wasn't going to fly high with me. She wasn't going to fly to Japan. Okay? And then God gave me my wife. Now, a crow's nest is huge. It's six to eight feet in, in diameter. Huge. A crow's nest is huge. Six to eight feet. Okay? So obviously a male, did I say crow? An eagle. <laughs> An eagle's nest is huge. The eagle's nest is huge. And, and so God gave me a big nest because it was going to have Paul Himes in it. <laughs> we needed a big nest to keep him occupied, you know. <laughs> he was, he was uh, uh, already an intellectual at age six probably. Uh, but anyway... <laughs> Not that he's an intellectual. I mean, he's a, let's, anyway, let's move on from my son. How do you get me on my son? Anyway, uh, but um, God wants you to fly above the fray to get closer to him. When something goes wrong in your life, just fly higher, closer to God. Just lay it on the altar. Lord, look what happened. It's all yours. Take it away. Just fly higher and wait, and wait for his plan, and wait for his plan, okay? Finally, number three, the third result of waiting, of flying, uh, waiting on God, third result is to spiritual feet. So first of all, spiritual muscles, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Then spiritual wings, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. And finally, spiritual feet. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Okay, what do you do with spiritual feet? Obviously, you move for the Lord Jesus. You travel for the Lord Jesus. Do what he wants you to do. You go out soul winning. You go to the mission field. You go to pastor somewhere. You go to teach in a Christian school. You walk with Jesus, Colossians 2.6. With your spiritual feet, you can walk with Jesus. Colossians 2.6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Verse 7, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. You walk with Jesus, you walk in Jesus, this metaphor says. Walk in Jesus. In other words, Jesus is all around you. He's with you in everything you do. Why? Because you waited for him. You didn't get ahead of the Lord. Be willing to wait for his will. Secondly, you walk in the light. 1 John 1, 7. Oh, how many remember my chorus, 1 John 1, 7? Me, 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 if, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, you have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Okay, how many freshmen, that's the first time you heard that ever? Okay, all right. Well, now you've heard it once. 
Let's try it again. If, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. So you walk in the light. The the higher an eagle flies, the more light it is. The eagle can go above the storm where the light is. We're down here getting soaked and, and lightning. And did you hear that thunder the other day? Would you boom, boom, It just kept on going. Did you hear that? And didn't know I could make those noises, did you? And, <laughs> and, and it's just awesome. The eagle's up there. He doesn't even know it's raining. Rain, what's that? You know, he's just flying above everything, flies above the storm. And you can do that if you walk in the light because that's where the light is, above the storm. And you take the gospel to others. And, and I have Galatians 6 here, but I guess I didn't put the verse. But, uh, uh, you know, Americans, we Americans, we want it right now. You want it right now. So you try discipling someone, you try to winning them to Jesus, and you go three weeks and they're not saved yet. And we Americans, how come they're not saved yet? You get on your knees, God, they're not saved yet. Save them now. Mr. Uematsu, um, I won't go into what he did, but he sinned, and uh, his wife said, uh, and she wasn't right either, but she said, she was a Christian, she said, I'm getting a divorce if you don't get counseling from Pastor Himes for a whole year. Okay, so I agreed. She was coming to our church. I agreed. I'm going to counsel him for a whole year. And I gave him the gospel over and over again. I taught him the Bible. I taught him creationism. I taught him whatever else I could think of for a whole year. And, and he just wasn't getting saved. And I didn't understand it. You know, and I'd pray for him, Lord, you've got to save this man. And finally, after a whole year of counseling, Sunday night, 9.30, came a knock on our door. Our, our doorbell actually rang. And I went to the door. It's, it's, it's him, Mr. Uematsu. And I say, well, what can I do for you? And he says, Pastor, I just wanted to tell you. For a whole year, you've been telling me about Jesus Christ and how he can save me. And I didn't understand it. But finally, a friend, a Christian friend came from Sapporo and, and, um, and told me again about Jesus and how he can save me. And I finally understood. And today I got saved. But we Americans, we want it now. Give it to me now. Lord, save this person now. Sometimes it takes a lot of planting, a lot of watering, okay? Especially if you're dealing with someone who is totally clueless about the Bible and Jesus Christ and Christianity. I remember many times in Japan where I told someone about Jesus Christ and they had no idea who he was. I remember standing on a train one time and it was kind of a foggy day, you know, and uh, um, the window of the train was, was all misted up and so in, on the inside, and so I'm standing there, and there was a young girl standing here, and her mother standing there, and I wrote on it in Japanese, Yesu Kiristo Shinjimasho, let's believe in Jesus Christ. Well, the pronunciation for Jesus in Japanese is the same as the English word yes in Japanese. So when I wrote that, she said, Mommy, Mommy, it says, yes, believe in Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, and her mom said, shh, quench. It's a foreigner. <laughs> okay. But She'd never heard, this little girl had never heard the name Jesus. So many times on the mission field, that's your experience. And more and more in America, I think nowadays, that's your experience. Don't walk the way you want to. 
Walk where God tells you to. That walking your way ends up in disaster. I, Psalm 32. Psalm 32. And verses 8 and 9. Okay. This is a very vivid picture here of a rebellious person that doesn't want to walk God's way. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice ye righteous and shout for joy all ye that are upright in heart. That's what you can do when you follow the will of God with all your heart. And don't try to get ahead of God. That's what happens. You can rejoice whatever happens. Your way will end up in disaster. Now, the illustration I started with at the very beginning, that preacher, he turned out okay. You know, he, he didn't seem to have prayed whether or not to take up this Coaching job turned out to be probably one of the greatest coaches, basketball coaches in Christian college history, but it was all empty to him. Meaningless. Boy, when, when the championships happens, everyone is, oh, oh, that's awesome. Look at this. Oh, look at this trophy. Wow, can I see it now? And it's awesome. But then it's empty. It's empty. Only following Jesus Christ will bring you true joy and satisfaction. Only doing exactly what his will is, without question, without complaint, without worry, without fretting, only that will bring true satisfaction. My message to you today is don't get ahead of God. As it says in James, ye that say, let us go to in such and such a city and buy and sell and get gain, Say, if the Lord wills. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I, I pray for these young people. I pray that they would each one fly like an eagle closer and closer to you.